Welcome to The Forest and the Trees, global and local perspectives on the environment with your host, Melinda Tuhus. So here I am in Edgewood Park in New Haven on an earlier rainy but now beautiful fall day with my friends Stephanie Fitzgerald and Frank Cochran. And they are, in my opinion, the go-to people to learn about what's going on on the west side of town because I am not that familiar. So welcome to the show, Stephanie and Frank. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's always fun to talk with you. <laughs> so I've been impressed for years with, I, I'm sure I don't even know a quarter of what you actually do, but I get emails about from the West River Watershed, Watershed Coalition, which f- come from Stephanie, and I recently got something from Frank about uh, an oak tree project, which I really want to talk about because I really love oak trees. Um, even before I knew how amazing they are, I, I always loved oak trees. So um, why don't we just start, uh, Stephanie, why don't you start and um, tell us about some of the work that you do and how and, how and why you got involved. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll, go back, I'll go back historically. So I used to live in New York City and I lived near Central Park. And when I moved to New Haven, I wanted to live near a park. And so then I checked out two of New Haven's parks, and I really felt comfortable in Edgewood Park. So I've been in Edgewood Park probably almost every day, almost for 40 years. Wow. All seasons, all kinds of weather. Right. Well, nowadays we have a wonderful uh, volunteer group in this park, and we meet every Tuesday morning. And since COVID, the group has moved grown from like six people every week to about 14 people every week and we meet all year round so we do we take vines off trees in the winter it's much easier to find the vines and not get the prickers from roses not to bother you as much in the winter time and i have to add that in my youth outings program one day we came here and i still have a photo of me and three kids holding a gigantic bittersweet vine that's about 30 feet long and, you know, as big as a huge, big around as a, like a big black snake. So that's, and I also participate in the whole divining workshop that, or not the workshop, the wor- ongoing work that uh, Chris Ozick does with uh, URI, uh, Urban Resources Initiative. So, um, Frank? It's fair to say that Chris Ozick got us going on the divining um, Process, although I've never been quite sure about that term, divining. It sounds. It's <clears throat> D E, not D I. Right. It's vaguely religious, and I don't think we feel particularly religious about it. But what we noticed uh, a long time ago, probably 15 years ago, um, I noticed that we had very few small oak trees, um, particularly in Edgewood Park, which is where I've been hanging out for the last. 49 years, something like that, longer than she has. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, and, and the small oaks that we had had a couple of real problems with them. Uh, one of them was that the deer just loved to eat the tops of little oak trees. And we haven't been able to do anything about that. Um, the effort to get, you know, goats to teach the deer to eat knotweed instead of failed. Uh, they, 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 they like their oaks. But um, the other problem we've done a lot about, and, and that really is getting vines off of them so that they don't get pulled over 
and and basically crippled when they're when they're small. Uh, and we have a, I have a project just recently did not far from here on the far side of the meadow over there. I was just walking along looking to see what berries were growing in there, and I realized there's this huge collection of of grapes and blackberries, and in among them was was an oak. And I thought, Jesus, that guy needs some help in here. So I started clearing out around him, and it turned out there were, I think it was eight little oak trees, various various oh. sizes, and they had vines draped all over them, and, and and it was. But I spent a whole session one time, like two hours, just clipping away everything that was around these little oak trees, and I. I'm convinced we will have a grove of really nice oak trees. It'll take another 30 years for them to be really impressive. Right. Uh, because one of the things that people have said to me you know, is, well, why, are you, why do you want to plant oak trees? They take so long to grow. Actually, they're not terribly slow growing. But the point is that they're really worthwhile having um, in here. So, that, but my start on this actually was that I got fed up with um, the idea that we had to let the parks department um, and their union employees do any maintenance that was to be done in the parks because the parks department had lost manpower for 20 years running and just wasn't ever going to get to anything. And you know, I didn't blame the union guys for that. There just weren't enough people to do anything like the work that needed to be done and I thought why do we think that that work should be done by municipal employees rather than by the people who use the park I mean I spend time in my backyard all the time why should I not spend time in my park all the time um, cleaning stuff up so once I would sort of come to that I looked around what, what things that I want to do, and I started with the idea maybe we could get rid of knotweed um, in particular places that we wanted to, to do something. And I was concerned about the knotweed, among other reasons, because it was so dense that it made the park feel insecure. Um, and you mean that, on paths, you were overwhelmed, on, you couldn't see anything. You, you, couldn't, couldn't, you, couldn't, even, no you couldn't even create paths in some places, and, and people could hide in there. And, and, and we had had a few incidents um, in, the, in the park over the past. So I, I said, you know, what we really need here is a walkway, a path that goes right up the river. We've got, we can walk on this main, main street, but... Um, we, we, we don't walk up the river, and so I started cutting down knotweed. And I want to tell you, you know, if three hours working really hard, you make only 10 yards. Wow. I understood about those, those stories about people making, making uh, trails in, in, in horrible forest conditions. Um, Do you, so the knotweed is one of the most invasive plants around in this part of the country, I guess. You said you were cutting it down. Is that good enough, or do you have to dig it up by the roots? <laughs> um, what we discovered is, first off, you can't dig it up by the roots. You can try. Um, you can get some of the root balls. Which that, are the knots. Which are the knots that, that give it its name. Um, and 
What you don't want to do is to leave them around any place because they'll just keep on going. Right. And even if you do that, you will not get rid of all the root structure. It'll just come in, in ever greater amounts. But we found that if you cut them down regularly, two or three times a year, in a small place, you can get them to be somewhat discouraged. Um, and by doing that, you make it easier to, to, to maintain paths. Uh, we also discovered they're not particularly fond of, um, of wood chips, so when we've had piles of wood chips on all the paths, which are basically to, to just have some other surface for people to walk on, but they also don't seem to be um, penetrated by the knotweed very much. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, we, uh, their invasive plants are, are just a huge problem in this whole area. So I want to go back just for one other response before I go back to Stephanie for another question. You, you said a while back that it's good to have oaks in the park just to have oaks because oaks are good. Mm -hmm. So, And I've been learning recently about how good they are, so you probably know more than I do. Give us some reasons why it's good to have oaks. And then tell us briefly about your project. The oak project is, um, well... About two years ago, I thought to myself that the West River Watershed Coalition, which Stephanie and I and a bunch of other people founded about 10 years ago, that it needed to have a forests project uh, or com component to it. Um, and I, I've tried to, in, you know, interest various other people, and there were, there were several with different kinds of interests in, in studying the park and figuring out about forests. Oak trees... Um, I learned a couple of years ago, just by buying a book, which was, which was interesting, um, that they are about the most useful plant that there is for helping to uh, address the climate change problem. Um, they take an immense amount of carbon out of the atmosphere. Um, when they photosynthesize, when their leaves photosynthesize. And a good oak tree will have a lot of leaves doing a lot of photosynthesis. Um, and so it will retire literally tons of carbon um, into, into the ground. Um, and that's a great place for it. That's where you want it, have the carbon go uh, and, and, and release a lot of oxygen. So they're very good for that. Um, but beyond that, it turns out that oaks are an ecosystem all to themselves. There are literally hundreds of species of fungi, of insects, um, and, uh, and birds, who, and, and other plants, which um, use oaks in a way that is ultimately collective. They're, they're a community. And, and that's just amazing. And that just that caused me to just think, wow. Right, you know? it's more than the other trees. Right, a lot, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. more. A yeah. lot of these is more than, more than right. other trees. Let me stop a second and reintroduce you. I am speaking with Frank Cochran and Stephanie Fitzgerald, who are involved in a lot of projects uh, on the west side of New Haven, and we're visiting on a lovely day here in Edgewood Park. I'm going to come back to the Oak Project in a little later, because I want to get Stephanie to talk to us about the West River uh, organization that you co-founded and what you guys do. Well, as Frank said, it was about nine or ten years ago. And I, what we're trying to do is to um, 
make sure that the West River and its tributaries are clean and are available for the public to enjoy, um, and help people understand what a watershed is and um, that all the rain that comes down within our watershed ends up in the river. And so we need, why we need to keep it clean nearby, yeah. So you've been doing a lot of different things related to that. So how, how many people about, how many people are involved? And, and just tell us about maybe one or two of your favorite, most, most uh, successful projects. So we have about 350 people on our mail list. And we are five, five towns. We are individuals. We're all volunteers. But the town governments, the schools, the colleges, nonprofits, all different kinds of people are part of our coalition. So it's this huge coalition. And some of the things we do, I'll just give you an example. In the last two months, we've had um, a cleanup at the at the first Saturday of the month down in West River Memorial Park, which we're hoping that park to become a more attractive park for people to enjoy. Um, we've been having a canoe trips with uh, some other organizations once or twice a month, um, mostly for cleanups in the water in um, Beaver Pond Park and in the West River down by behind Barnard Nature Center. And we've had wonderful walks. We've had eight eight official walks. Every month we do a walk in the watershed and we were out at um, Malpy Lakes on, on Saturday. So um, those are some of the things we do. Uh, we engage our uh, elected officials. What else do we do, Frank? Uh, we plan and push and lobby for projects of various sorts. Um, and some of them we've actually carried off. We, we've done uh, a lot of trail um, building and maintenance um, specifically and and one of the specific ones is in West Rock um, West River open space. And, and what we call the West River open space but also it's West Rock uh, Ridge State Park is on, on the edge of it the trail runs right up through there and into Pond Lily um, where the uh, Gather New Haven has has a trail that also connects with it the goal on the trails is to create a well, really a network of trails that run all the way from um, Long Island Sound up to the um, Water Authority property in in Bethany along the river so that the river itself becomes uh, an attraction for people to, to hike and walk along. And I've got to tell you, I was up there yesterday, the section along West Rock Ridge and and the West Rock Open, uh, West River Open Space, it was gorgeous. I mean, people talk about foliage, and they say, well, where do we go for good foliage? I'll tell you where to go. <laughs> go to West Rock Ridge, you know. It's, it's as good as it gets. Yeah, wow. Up and there. So but we did lobby uh, quite hard, one of, our, one of our members particularly, and we it, it got a lot of um, help from elected officials and so on, eventually replaced a pedestrian bridge, which, was, um, which had been out for a long time. Uh, up there off of Valley Street. Um, Tell me more about how your organization, or I guess, well, there's the West River, there's the West River um, Watershed Association, but then there's just all the work that you guys do sort of on your own in the park? No, I'm, no this is with the Friends of Edgewood Park Green Team. So what we do in the park, and the Friends of Edgewood are a member organization with the West River Watershed Coalition. Okay. 
And then are you also connected to Urban Resources Initiative? There's something called Green Space. So every year we work, well, we work with URI to plant trees in the park. So we've probably, we've probably planted with URI close to 80 trees uh, in the last 10, 8 or 10 years. In the park? Yeah, and then we have to take care of them and water them and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's great. So this seems like a good way to segue back into the Oak Project. Okay. So, I, yeah, t- tell us about the Oak Project. The Oak Project uh, is the simplest of all possible ideas. Uh, it came about because I realized that it was uncomfortable for people to walk around sidewalks in New Haven uh, often because there were lots of acorns that were lying around on the sidewalk. And I said, well, why don't we pick up those acorns off the sidewalk and, and put them in some place where they might grow a tree? And I, for several years, I really did literally just that. I would put them in a pocket, and the next time I was in an area where um, maybe we needed an oak uh, tree or two, I tossed them out. And, and I did a lot of that in this park, and I will tell you there are some oak trees that came about as a result of that. Oh, so exciting. Okay, so oh. that's where it started, um, was simply, what do we do with all the acorns? Well, that was my second idea. I, I have to be honest. My first idea was to load up an entire... B-52 bomber full of acorns (laughs) and for its last run take it to some place like maybe Kazakhstan which really needs forests and crash land it into the (laughs) desert but that didn't seem practical so I went to this solution instead the next step was to realize that they're going to do better if um, what you do is take the seedlings that come up in your vegetable garden or in your flower garden which was also happening at our house at a great rate every year you know there'd be a bunch of those Um, put them in flower pots tend them water them in drought periods and just make sure there aren't too many weeds growing all over them and you keep them away from the deer for a while Um, and um, and then plant them And, and we've done that um, with, with kind of mixed success. Do you so, leave them outside the whole time? They need to be outside, and they need to winter over, we finally realized. The ones that are really doing well all wintered over um, beforehand. So last year, we, uh, Margaret Conable and I started trying to be a little more organized about that. So the Oak Project today is we're encouraging everybody to do exactly that, pick up uh, or, or dig up the little seedlings that come up and you want to get them as soon as possible when you can still see the acorn itself with the leaf coming out the top and a little root going down the bottom. Put them in a, in a flower pot um, with some decent soil, um, preferably with a little soil from right where they're growing now because the, the fungi that are in there are significant for the oaks um, and they are not as likely to be found in the other places you might throw them. Um, and, then, and then tend them for a while. And our plan presently is to tend them for two years through two growing seasons. So they get to, you put in pretty healthy ones. And then you go find a good place in the park or along a highway or whatever needs an oak tree and, and, and plant it there. You better well, watch out for the uh, 
Department of Transportation and the Utilities, which will come along and cut it down. Yes, uh, your opinion is entirely correct. So that's what you do. You need to be aware of that and put it just outside the scope of where they're cutting down. Actually, there's an example of it right here um, uh, behind us where um, Parks has been mowing a little bit farther back and a little bit farther back. Well, what I've done is to plant one in the area that they have been mowing and I put a tomato cage around it and, a, and an orange tag so that they will know that it's there. And they do know that it's there and they've, they've done pretty well at avoiding those. They, they missed one, but... Uh, <laughs> is, that, is that a white oak? I know it's not a pin oak or a red oak because it's got rounded leaves. I believe it's a white oak. Yeah, and those are. The, I think I. I think I was reading that white oaks are even among all the oaks are the best oaks. To they're plant. they're very good. Yeah, they're very good, and they happen to be more or less the the dominant species in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, the original, so-called original forests here before uh, European settlement were uh, fairly substantially in white oaks. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Well, I want to just reintroduce you again. I am speaking with. Frank Cochran and Stephanie Fitzgerald, uh, who are very active in, in New Haven uh, and dealing with nature and trees and cleanups and uh, all, all kinds of wonderful, healthy things that we need more of. So, um, and I'm, I'm looking at this little tree. It is about, I don't know, six or eight inches. The, the leaf comes up six or eight inches, and that's how they start, as, as you know, the, the great oaks from the little acorns grow. Did you happen to see, I, I don't know when it came out, because I, I was reading the New York Times, and then I re finished a story, and then I, there was a link at the bottom, and it was a story. So it came out recently, but I don't know exactly when. Um, one of their uh, writers, she's actually, she's a woman from the South who writes about the South a lot, but this... Well, yeah, Margaret Rankle, or, yeah. and she was writing about uh, doing the same thing you're doing, like saving and planting, and I think it was specifically white oaks. Oh, so I, I guess they're down there. Yeah. yeah, well, last year, um, actually, we um, were approached by uh, people who work for the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection in Connecticut because they knew about uh, interest in oaks, and they were looking for labor to help collect acorns from particular uh, trees, and uh, white oaks were definitely among them. The reason being that they had a contract, I guess, to provide these to the U.S. Forest through the U.S. Forestry Service or through a grant program of the U.S. Forestry Service to see what other locations might be suitable for um, white oaks, in particular, to thrive that may not have been thought to be um, ideal before. They were looking at relatively high elevations in, in the south and in the, in the Appalachian area, I think, primarily. Uh, so I, I, I'll be very interested to see what happens with that um, as, as it goes forward because that, too, is the kind of thing we need to do about climate change. And, and I would say, you know, a URI has been very helpful in Edgewood Park right here Urban Resources Initiative for our listeners, yeah. Sorry, Urban Resources Initiative has been very useful in, in a couple of ways. Um, and one of those is in um, responding to the idea that there may be southern tree species, which because of climate change will now do very well here. And we think that we have found two 
that we didn't really associate with this area, but seem to be growing pretty well. Tupelos um, among uh, are one, and uh, I'm sorry, oh, bald, bald cypress. cypress. Bald cypress in here. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that's so weird to think of bald cypress growing in Connecticut. Well, yeah. there is one that's been here probably 40 years that's in the park, and that gave us the idea that if it's doing so well here in the park with wonderful cypress knees, um, wow, that we should. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And actually, that's the origin of the idea. Maybe we should be looking for southern species yeah, to, yeah. to come in here. So people up here use magnolias as um, you know decorative trees in their lawns mm-hmm. and they you know they're not really big trees so I uh, befriended in a work uh, event I was at a, I, we were traveling and doing doing a conference and we were in California so I was in California and this woman from Arkansas was was doing the same job as I was so we were together and um, she was telling me like it's the biggest tree in the southern forest and it was mm. like Whoa, that was really, because, you know, the, the, the flowers, I mean, it's just huge, and the flowers are everywhere, so we don't have a lot of time left, but Stephanie, you, you mentioned in passing you'd done eight walks, so give us some details about, like, how do you choose the walks you do, like, what kind of walks are they? What do you discover when you well, walk there? Well, one of our partners, we have partners, like, mention the... Um, Department of Environmental Protection, uh, the Regional Water Authority, um, URI, all of these organizations are partners. So the Regional Water Authority person actually uh, planned the ones this year. And so next year we'll plan, we just want people to become more familiar with the the watershed. But what I did want to say about our organization, um, that we particularly didn't know um, because we're five towns, because we're part of the water authority, the sewer authorities, all these different things, when we meet once a month, it's an opportunity for all of these organizations or whoever's participating that month to cross, you know, to, to communicate with each other. So I think that's probably our biggest contribution that all these different agencies and organizations and individuals are working separately now talk to each other. So. And, and what are the five towns? Oh. So starting in the north is Bethany, Woodbridge, Hamden, New Haven, and West Haven. So that's where the river goes. That's the watershed. The watershed is like 25 square miles uh, and includes parts of all of those towns. Right, right. Um, And the interesting thing that we did early on, which we haven't mentioned here, was to um, create a, um, a greenway which required the towns to sign an agreement. Uh, And the agreement was really very simple, which is that they wanted to have a greenway recognized uh, being the entire watershed of this area. And a lot of watershed sort of study and so on is going on now, but this was a little bit ahead of time. We did that 2015? I believe so. At the same time we did and what it what it does is if if the the state recognizes that and, and they have um, it gives you a priority for funding of projects that are basically green projects in, in within the area. Um, and also a watershed study. We were re- at the same and, time, and we, we, an official did, study. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. it was a, a watershed study, and we're now undertaking more in and, that regard. And what was, the, what was the focus of the watershed study? Everything. Water, basically, <laughs> water, water quality. We, we were looking at 
the stream's morphology, what they call them, or the shape of the stream, what kind of subsurfaces there are, what kind of forests there are around it and other, other activities around it, and what kind of pollutants are getting into it. And, uh, what we, you know, this and is recommendations for actions. Right, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So is there anything you guys are involved with that we didn't talk about here today? Probably. I probably yeah. Any, <laughs> anything you can think of though that I'm sure there is. But. Well, you know, it just feels so good to be outside. It's been so such a wonderful feeling for community building. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. It's the We're best good. way to meet more people, and to be glad that you've made the choice that we have made, which is to stay as seniors in a in an urban neighborhood where. Um, we can meet people of all ages in all places, and we just love that. I've been speaking with Stephanie Fitzgerald and Frank Cochran from the West River Watershed Coalition and the Green Space Group that takes care of Edgewood Park. And uh, this has been great, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks so much. Well, thank, thank you, you. for having us. You've been listening to The Forest and the Trees, Global and Local Perspectives on the Environment, with your host, Melinda Tuhus. Tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9.30 a.m. here on WPKN 89.5 FM for more environmental news you can use.